0: Good morning and welcome to Daily Devotions. My name is Israel and it is my privilege to encourage you today. You'll see some balloons behind me up on the wall. We celebrated yesterday at Father's House Cape Town one year of full-time services. It was a joyous celebration. We had Pastor George with us in person here in Cape Town where we celebrated one year of community, one year of God's goodness, one year of church family together. So just a special shout out to our Cape Town congregation watching this devotion I love you guys, and I'm so thankful to be serving the kingdom of God with you here in this city. We are continuing on today with our devotion series of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, And you can read all about the Apostle Paul's expedition or outreach mission trip to the church in Corinth in the book of Acts chapter 18. But today we are going to look at a very important passage in the book of 1 Corinthians, and that is chapter 10. I'm reading from the message translation today. I think the message translation really captures the heart of the apostle Paul in this passage. Um, I, I first read it in the NRSV and I was reading it a few times over and I thinking just it's not quite, um, I don't know, it didn't quite get there for me and then I read the message translation and the thing just opened up to me. Um, so if you every time just go read this passage in the message translation yourself, there's a lot in it. This passage very much is broken into three separate parts. It starts with the Apostle Paul reminding the Israelites about their past and how all the incredible miracles that God did for them and how the Israelites very often took for granted the things of God. And he starts saying that it's dangerous to take these things for granted. Then right there in the middle, there's a middle passage where the where the Apostle Paul starts unpacking our ideas around communion, of partaking about the body and the blood of Jesus. And it's in this passage also where the traditional liturgy comes from in the Eucharist. If you've ever been to an Anglican or Catholic church, you will know that there's a part where they break the bread together and they proclaim, though we are many, we are one body, and they bring the bread together. It's said, because we all partake of the one body bread symbolizing Jesus and so communion is for these churches a sign of the unity in the church and as we partake of communion together it is a sign of how all of us individually become one as we partake of the one bread that is the body of Christ and after the apostle Paul unpacks that bit he then goes into a final bit where he starts to warn that we can't partake of the things of God and the things of the demonic he says you can't Um, have dinner of God and dinner with the demons you can't partake of both but then he also goes a step further and it says don't become one of these people that uh, become sort of heresy hunters that starts looking for idolatry in absolutely everything basically you can't live life that way and that is up to your clear conscience to start judging that together so let's look at the first part in first Corinthians chapter 10 Remember our history, friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the provincial cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in baptism like ours as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. They all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily for God. They drank at the rock, God's fountain for them, for them that stayed with them wherever they were. And their rock was Christ. But just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem to mean much. Most most of them were defeated by temptation during the hard times in the desert, and God was not pleased. The same thing could happen to us. We must be on guard so that we never get caught up in wanting our own way as they did. And we must not turn our religion into a circus as they did. For the people parted, then they threw a dance. We must not be sexually promiscuous. They paid for that. Remember, 23,000 deaths in one day. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of us serving Him. They tried it, and God launched an epidemic of poisonous snakes. We must be careful not to stir up discontent. Discontent destroyed them. These are all warning markers in our history books, written down so that we don't have to repeat their mistakes. Our positions in a story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It is useless. Cultivate God confidence. That's a good point. Forget about self-confidence. Cultivate God-confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit, and he'll always be there to help you come through it. So, my dear friends, when you see people reducing God to something they can use or control, get out of their company as fast as you can. So the Apostle Paul warns us here to not take lightly the things for God. The fact that we've been granted this incredible salvation in Jesus isn't something that we can just use for ourselves. We don't put confidence in ourselves because we've been set free. Our confidence should always be placed in God. And the moment the grace that God has given us becomes something that we can use and neglect, the Apostle says we should flee from that. And if we see people using God as a means to an end, and sometimes I think a lot of people, including myself, has fallen, uh, fallen guilty of this, where we pursue God as a means to an end we know there's promises in scripture that if we give it will be given pressed on shaken together and running over and so we give with the expectation of receiving in return but that's using the things of god for our own end when jesus says in matthew 6:33 seek ye first the kingdom of god and all these things shall be added unto you he doesn't say we should seek so that the things could be added unto you the kingdom of god is worth seeking the things of god are worth seeking and so we seek Because the things of God are worth seeking. We abide in grace because grace is a gift given to us. And yes, there's promises of things coming our way if we follow certain things. But we don't do it for those things. Our faith isn't a means to an end. Our faith is the end. It is the end. It is the whole point. Because Jesus is worthy. So the Apostle Paul says, verse 14, So my very dear friends, When you see people reducing God to something they could use or control, get out of their company as fast as you can. And then the passage changes, verse 15. I assume now that I'm addressing believers who are mature. So he's writing to mature Christian believers here, not unbelievers yet. Draw your own conclusions. When you drink the cup of blessing, that is communion or Eucharist for the traditional churches, Aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf. Our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. That's basically what happened in old Israel. Those who ate the sacrifices offered on God's altar entered into God's actions at the altar. So the Apostle Paul encourages us here to partake of Christ, not to partake of the things of the world. Because when we partake of the communion, the body and the blood, the wine and the bread, symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus. We partake in the actions of Christ. We're partaking of the very life essence of Jesus in one inside of us. And when we do, we become whole. And that's why there's such a responsibility for us to live righteously according to the ways of God. Because in the Christian faith, our faith isn't something we do alone. Our faith is is something that comes together in the overall body of Christ, of which all of us come together and make up different parts. And unity is important. Jesus' last prayer, the high priest's prayer, before being betrayed and going to be crucified, was this. Father, help them to be one so that the world may believe. I've often wondered that perhaps why it seems that the Christian mission is failing on the earth is because the church is so disunited in so much disunity and that we need to come back to the table of God, pursue like likeness and partake of Jesus as one bread and allow his grace, his wondrous working spirit to bring us back into unity. And then the apostle Paul goes from partaking of Jesus to partaking of sacrifices made to idols here. Verse 19, do you see the difference sacrifices offered to idols are offered to nothing for what's the idol but a nothing or worse than nothing a minus a demon i don't want you to become part of something that reduces you to something that is less of yourself you can't have it both ways banqueting with the master one day and slumming with demons the next besides the master won't put up with it he wants us all or nothing do you think you can get off with anything less Looking at it one way, you could say that anything goes. Because of God's immense generosity and grace, we don't have to dissect or scrutinize every action to see if it will pass the master. But the point is not just to get by. We want to live well, but our foremost effort should be to help others live well. And so because we've got freedom in Jesus doesn't mean that our actions don't have consequences for those around us. Our consciousness may enable us to do certain things, but we shouldn't let, because we've got a clean conscience, suddenly lead our brothers and sisters to stumble. And he unpacks that a little bit more. With that at the base to work from, common sense can take you to the rest of the way. Eat anything sold at the butcher shop. For instance, you don't have to run an idolatry test on every item. The earth, after all, is God and everything in it. And that everything certainly includes the leg of lamb in the butcher shop. If a non-believer invites you to dinner and you feel like going, go ahead, enjoy yourself, eat everything placed before you. It would be both bad manners and bad spirituality to cross-examine your host on the ethical purity of each course as it is it served. On the other hand, if he goes out of his way to tell you that this or that was sacrificed to a god or to a goddess and so and so, then you should pass. Even though you may be indifferent as to where it came from, he isn't. And you don't want to send mixed messages to him about who you are worshiping. But except for these cases, I'm not going to walk around going on eggshells, worrying what small-minded people may say. I'm going to stride free and easy, knowing that our large-minded master has already said, If I eat what is served to me, grateful to God for what is on the table, how can I worry about what someone will say? I thank God for it. And he blessed it. And then he finishes with this. So you eat your meals heartily, not worrying about what others say about you. You're eating to God's glory after all, not to please them. As a matter of fact, do everything that way, heartily and freely to God's glory. At the same time, don't be callous in your exercise of freedom, thoughtlessly stepping on the toes of those who aren't as free as you are. I try my best to be considerate of everyone's feelings of all these matters, and I hope you will be too. And so we have an immense responsibility. We've been given an incredible amount of freedom. Sometimes people want us to start looking for an idol in anything. There's entire books written about, like, you need to clear a house of certain decorations because that decorations is connected to some culture, and that could open a door to this demon and that demon. And it's just too much. If people are worried about it, don't cause your brothers and sisters to stumble. But if your consciousness is cleared and you just see it as something, then let it be decor. Don't go searching for idolatry where there isn't idolatry just because it looks like something that other religions and other cultures have used. But the Apostle Paul says here that everything we do, we do for the glory of God. Every action we do for the glory of God. But we do not bring glory of God when we cause our brothers and sisters to stumble. So because you have freedom, doesn't mean others have freedom. And practically, this sometimes looks like alcohol, which is a very practical thing in our societies. Some people can have a glass of wine and it's fine, but sometimes it's best not to have a glass of wine in front of someone that you know is a recovering alcoholic because it could just cause them to stumble. And so because I've got freedom to maybe enjoy a glass of wine and living here in Cape Town, it's all around us, doesn't mean that I do not have a responsibility to be thoughtful of people around me, maybe struggling with certain things, and my actions could cause them to stumble. And we have this responsibility because the responsibility of our faith doesn't just sit with us. Because we partake of the body and the blood, the one bread, we are now one body. And it means that we have a responsibility to exercise our freedom, to help and build up the entire body, even when my consciousness is cleared. I hope that encourages you today. But just take that one point to everything for the greatest glory of God. Can we pray? Father, thank you for the incredible freedom that you've purchased for us, that you've bought for us for a price, that we've been set free. And We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will show us the right way to walk out our freedom. And when we abuse our freedom, will your Spirit convict us and guide us onto the right path. We ask for your protection today, and a tangible awareness of your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.